change with iOS and sort of not being able to track so much, I think it really just came down to we don't know what the numbers mean, right? Like we we can see numbers, but we don't know what 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 the truth is behind them. Um, so yeah, it's been a little tricky, but I think we're slowly starting to see some rebounds there in terms of like uh, engagement with the ads, conversion, um, and sort of cost per lead or cost per click going back down. Um, it, it, it's it's never easy to just say this is the formula because it's constantly changing. The algorithms are constantly changing or, you know, just different things are happening. Like in during the political campaigns, you know, we were getting so drowned out. We just said, let's just turn everything off for a little bit. Um, that kind of thing that our costs were going way up for impressions that in the, you know, in that time period. So you really do have to be monitoring it uh, and, and making sure that things are working and turning things off, turning things on, turning things, you know, changing language and all that stuff. It's just, it's just also something that if you're a very small team, you know, it's hard to do. So it's really been helpful to have uh, experts support us in that. Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head about like converting as many of your customers to an own channel as possible. That's really where I see a lot of this going. There's just so much uncertainty uh, with you know social media in these different areas where um, e-commerce brands are typically getting a lot of their traffic from. Uh, you know, at any point in time, you know, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube—they all have the ability to like shut down your channel or suppress your your reach. Uh, and that's really scary for, for merchants. And that's why the most important thing is always to get them onto a channel that you completely control. You have full autonomy to send whatever you want, whenever you want to that customer to reach out to them. Um, but you know where the industry is definitely moving away from is just those typical one-way blasts. You know, we get a piece of mail. It started when you get a piece of mail in the mailbox, right? That says, hey, here's a coupon code to go to Bed Bath & Beyond or whatever. Well, that's not very personalized and that's where we see the industry really starting to trend towards is how can we incorporate more of a human element into our brands and how can we engage in two-way interactions with all of our customers? And that's really what led me to come to Emotive in the first place. I know this is a little bit biased, but uh, the idea of continuing to find new ways to evolve um, interactions with your customers, how can we engage them in different channels in a two-way aspect? You know, maybe email one day will have a back and forth type of uh, complexity to it where you can actually send an email back to the uh, to the company that you're working with and you can get a personalized response back in real time instead of waiting for a support team to get back to you. The way we've handled SMS is the same way we want to try to incorporate that into other areas of uh, e-commerce as far as, you know, real human staff chatbots, you know. Um, interactive ads that you can actually engage with and learn more about, hey, why is it the right product for us to use? Uh, and along those same lines, we've seen, you know, simple things like quizzes on a website to like learn more about a customer. Take this quiz or take this, you know, persona test to figure out what the right product is for you. It's all about getting as much data uh, from the customer as possible to just make everything more and more personalized throughout the whole process. I think a, a key lesson is finding if you, as your as your business grows, is finding good Shopify developers, and we have we have one um, great Shopify developer uh, that we work with consistently, and so that that's been great. Um, yeah, and I would say that's I think our one of our biggest mistakes. I think that's 
it's a mistake that I see a lot of e-commerce companies making early on is not focusing on email lead capture as soon as possible. Because I just think about it as, okay, if you're if you believe in your business and you're spending money to get people to your website, um, if you're not using as many methods to kind of uh, make use of that money, you're wasting the money that you're spending um, getting people, getting traffic. And so it's just a, it's like just a, a number one rule now, which I think a lot more people understand, but I remember how few people had pop-ups even like a few years ago. But now, now I think a lot, just a lot more people get that. And I feel like with what's been happening with Facebook now with iOS 14, and like I, uh, performance is volatile, it's inconsistent, etc. I guess what I'm particularly excited about is I think overall the market, people that are running e-com stores or businesses at large that are advertising on Facebook are starting to wise up to be like, holy smokes, I can't bank on ads for everything. It's too volatile. I have no control. CPMs are going up, CPAs going up across the board. So it's like, now what can I do to sort of mitigate risk or diversify and have more control over my traffic and sales. And so I guess I'm selfishly um, excited and optimistic that people are starting to wake up a little bit and like um, uh, revisit email and SMS so they, so they have more control because there's really nowhere else to get the benefits that it provides. Instagram is definitely um, how a lot of people find us, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok now. Um, but yeah, we do a lot of email marketing. Um, we do a lot of different win back programs because um, there's like, like you said, in the beginning it was kind of like explaining to people that food could be shipped to their door. And now it's like explaining to them <laughs> the cost of that or like how it's going to happen. Um, so like for us, that's kind of like we have a pretty high abandonment rate on our website so it's really important for us to kind of win people back by like explaining to them the process of like no you can order the ice cream on this date if you want to get it on this date or you know oh like have it shipped this way if you need to save on this like so there's still a lot of um you know people that don't understand that you're gonna get ice cream, it's gonna be frozen, and <laughs> it's gonna be delicious. When we launched, we wanted to have our customers, like Kelly said, feel empowered, feel confident, feel like they, like a brand get, got them, right? Really understood their values. And I think the Dapper Scouts was one way that we wanted to do that by providing that kind of, it's like brand ambassadors, but it's more about providing empowerment and providing visibility and acceptance. Um, because if you go to most fashion websites, all you see is these, you know, skinny, skinny models. Like, let's be honest, right? You don't necessarily see a lot of like real people, although that is beginning to change. I see that a lot with plus size fashion, that there's starting to be a lot more visibility around like acceptance and different types of body types. But I think a few years ago that didn't exist. It was the standard kind of model, traditional model. And we wanted to kind of go against that because we also were providing a new product that didn't necessarily cater to like the just typical person. And I think it's far more than just about body size or what you look like, but all these people in our community have really interesting stories to tell, right? Mm -hmm. And they are relatable. And so it was our way of saying to the people that are shopping for us, from us, 
like this isn't just about us, right? It's about creating community. It's about creating acceptance. And you know, we'll get the like parent that's like, ah, oh, my kid just came out. Like, I don't know what to do. And we'll say like, okay, well, hey, check out some of these stories, right? And or you know, someone's like, uh, you know, I'm exploring. Like, I think I might be trans or whatever, right? And it's a resource. It's not just about um, you know selling clothes. It's about it's about creating community. You know, education around things is, is really helpful. Uh, you know, if you, I think a lot of people understand some of the key products. Um, they understand the use case for them. Like, I try to keep it simple from the perspective of, you know, protein. If, if as a dietitian, if I could recommend one thing, and this is not just for men or women trying to add muscle or, you know, get big in the gym. Um, and like the thing, <laughs> the thing I always say, uh, which you've, you may or may not have heard, you know, if, I think people worry about getting bulky and it's like, if it was really easy to get bulky, um, there'd be a lot more bulky guys in the gym because everyone, most of the guys in there are trying to get big and it's obviously not that easy. Uh, See, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. So, um, but nutritionally protein is something that I think across the board I see over and over again, uh, people lack. Um, so as far as, you know, talking to, Maybe they come in and look at a protein and then it's just about educating them on the benefits of other products that might help them if they're working out or whatever it might be or just again like the mission for me was in part you know if someone's having it doesn't have to be purely just workouts you know we have a pre-workout that's awesome you know I've formulated it it's safe it's you know a clean product and if somebody can take a pre-workout instead of having a monster energy like it's a great alternative you know um, you're not getting synthetic flavors or sugars or anything like that um, so you just have a, a much cleaner kind of product so that's that's part of it is talking to people um, showing them what's there making sure you know something we've evolved the site and continue to do is like simplify it like it's, it's very easy to have uh, kind of just skew creep where you just think that you're gonna do more sales if you create more products, but um, it's really got a, I think simplification of things has been really helpful. That's just really cool to be able to potentially you're using them to find new customers. They're using you to have this new brand that people are really excited about. And it's a really nice symbiotic relationship. And we're working with, you know, retailers that really make sense, like a Best Buy, you know, like a GameStop. Um, another thing that's really important is in 2020, we started looking long and hard and saying, okay, yes, we've created like the best in class blue that eyewear. The product that we have is amazing. It, I still read every review and it always, my favorite part of my day is just reading a review of someone saying something like, I no longer get migraines. <laughs> like that's just always awesome. But we started thinking, okay, well, why do we start the company and really what is the bigger picture here? And for us, it's always been centered around this idea of improving the relationship between people and technology, right? So we didn't start an eyewear company to create a cheaper pair of glasses. We didn't start an eyewear company to like have the best design. Like obviously those are important to us, but we started because our eyes were killing us, right? We weren't evolved to be in front of screens all day, every day. Our eyes were bothering us. How do you help uh, address that? And so our thought is, you know, there's a variety of different aspects of our relationship with technology that are that we can improve, right? There's obviously the level of like both short-term eye comfort and potential long-term eye health, right? Which we which we work on. Um, there's sleep and how blue light suppresses melatonin secretion. 
There is the ergonomics in terms of, hey, your back, your neck, your wrist may be hurting. There is the desire to feel more energetic, more productive, because a lot of a lot of people are using this as a workplace productivity tool. And so we're identifying those aspects and saying, okay, well, what other products can we build into those areas? And then how do we own the larger conversation around this idea of, again, improving the relationship between you and your technology? What we call digital wellness, right? So if people care about the food they put into their bodies, the type of exercise they get, that you know their mental health. How how can we legitimize this business that it's not Chris and Greg me slinging volleyball nets from my mom's basement, like you know, like but that that's really what it is. We didn't have no VC money. We didn't know anybody. We didn't have somebody hand us a million dollars and say, hey, we'll get you on Forbes tomorrow. It was we're grinding this out. We pulled out our four hundred one ks. We've liquidated everything. If we blow this cash, we're back to our miserable jobs and back to where we started. Uh, so that's really how it was, and that's how it was so important to be so smart with our money. So we never paid for press a day in our life. Uh, it was reaching out and being genuine. Uh, the best thing has been LinkedIn for us. Like I built up a very, very nice LinkedIn following. I I love to read. I don't know about you, but I, I genuinely enjoy reading like good entrepreneur pieces. So I'd read stuff from either buddies, people that are actually now buddies of mine, like trough or tenzo t or like some good really up and coming like gdc brands and i just reach out to the the writer and i'd say yo dope piece like really really good like um if you're looking for something new to write about crossnet would be a great fit i think here's why because of xyz reasons if not no harm great great work keep up the great work i look forward to reading more of your stuff I'd be so damn surprised how many people wrote back being like yo crossnet actually looks sick um want to jump on a call and that's exactly how I got Forbes. And then Forbes did a featured piece on us. And then they did another one, you know? And then we got Forbes 30 under 30. So it was like, yeah, just being genuine and not like snake oil salesman, you know? You know, everyone's everyone's uh, aware of, of just kind of the dependency on, on paid social in particular, you know, Facebook and Instagram of, of diversifying channels. Um, and this realization that, uh, you know, we like to think of ourselves as we, our aspirations are, are become like the Dyson of apparel, right? It's uh, um, you know, really you know, a better user experience driven through innovation and technology, right? And um, you know, for us, our applications are apparel. Um, and, and what they do really well is they make the, the technology something that, that we can all understand. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's like, it's amazing, you know. It's like you're just kind of wowed by the graphics and the experience that they've created. So that, that's something that we think a lot of the kind of um, video communications channels are really good for. Whether that's you know TikTok, whether that's stories or YouTube, for example, we're trying to lean more into those where we can we can tell that story. And there and, and it goes back to Kickstarter where we started, right? It was you know Kickstarter was a place where you know most of the people who land on a Kickstarter video it was like 60% of it of the, the, the people that came to the page would watch the entire two-minute video right um, and, and nowhere have we seen a conversion experience like that um, and so we were starting to do more and more video ads a little bit longer for me you know we're talking 30 seconds right we can tell a story um, yeah we just kind of started doing it so that's 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 kind of what's on the docket for us